Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. My colleague David Sachs was engaged to help write up the memoirs of Judy Pruchno. Judy was born into a wealthy Orthodox Jewish family in the Transylvania region of Romania in 1935. Her story reflects the tragedy that affected Jews of Romania in the war years and the decade that followed. At its height, there were 800,000 Jews, and after the war, only 300,000 remained, most of whom emigrated. David is my guest now to tell me more. David, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, good. Nice to be back. David, tell me about Judy. Judy is, the most, is really one of the most impressive uh, people I, I, I've met. Um, she's just a natural storyteller. She's got a fantastic story to tell, and... Uh, uh, she's such a, an exceptionally intelligent and, uh, I think, in, a kind of insightful w- woman. She tells the story just so very well and powerfully that it, it was a, a very moving experience to just to, to speak about her life. And one became almost emotionally involved uh, in, in the whole story. Romania. Tell me a little bit about Romania in 1935. Well, in 1935, Romania had... To, only just become independent. It had been uh, colonized uh, by various powers for most of the preceding few centuries. And uh, it was home to a a thriving Jewish community, actually. And Judy came from a a very wealthy and very orthodox family, uh, extremely religious. Her her grandfather and her father were very highly thought of in the the Torah world. Uh, And they were also excellent businessmen, especially her grandfather. And they were, as I said, they, they, they made their money that way. And in the mid-1930s, it was quite an idyllic existence, really. But then things changed uh, very radically. Firstly, with the, the world war, with the coming of the World War, and then even more so with um, the beginning of the, the communist dictatorship of Romania, which in some ways was worse for them. Mm. Tell me. Now, interestingly, Romania, yes, they, uh, a, a huge number were murdered, uh, very largely by uh, the fellow Romanians. Um, but they, though, most of the, the, the atrocities were committed in the eastern part of the country, near the Russian border. Whereas Judy and her family, they, they came from Transylvania, which is on the west, the northwest, um, quite near the Hungarian border. Um, and for some reason, uh, they, they were left alone. Uh, I mean, they lived in fear and in hiding and they couldn't get jobs and it was a, a very, a very difficult time. In fact, they, they, their family went into hiding in the woods. They lived in a small house in the woods uh, until the end of the war. And she describes as a child a uh, sort of meeting SS, SS officers who didn't know she was Jewish and she, she didn't look Jewish and having a conversation with them. But if she just let slip in, in the slightest, uh, the whole family would have been deported. So, but as I say, the real, the real hardship came when the, the, the so-called liberators took over, the Red Army. Uh, the, the Soviets invaded, and there were plans under fo- uh, underway to deport the Jews of Transylvania, but the, the Russians arrived to, to prevent that. But very soon, um, the, the pro-Nazi uh, right-wing di- dictatorship that had ruled Romania during the war uh, was replaced by a Stalinist dictatorship, which, as I say, was in some ways even worse for the general population, certainly. So... Um Romanian Jews were they also? Sh- no, are you saying they weren't shipped to, or not shipped, but moved to? No, deported. deported no. Yes. Um, it, well, in the eastern part of the country, the, that's where most of the atrocities took place, and they were m- 
not so, I don't, not so much deportations. Um, there were deportations to labor camps and so, uh, and so on, but it, they were just individual massacres. Um, in the town of Iyash, for example, there's a local survivor in South Africa just down the road from from the board, who was uh, who, whose life uh, was spared at the last moment in the Iyash massacre. When th- over 13,000 uh, Jews were, yes, were, were shot. Yes, I've interviewed him. Yes, we Remember Leon- yes, Lionel? Yes, yes. Lionel, yes, Lionel, yes, yes. he was a guest on the show, yes. Yes, so yes. his experiences were very different from Judy's. But even with Judy uh, and her family, I mean, they, their possessions were confiscated, they were kicked out of their house. Uh, their house was raided by the National, the, the national Guard or something. They were these fascists who... Uh, from you know from the from the Romanian government and they uh, you know so they were roughed up and things were stolen, but and at one stage her father was arrested for pro-communist activities. Ironically enough, he was very he was a, a, a Talmud Chacham, but he was also a, a very passionate communist for a while, and that got him arrested. And it was through bribery that they made, that he was released. Actually, and very often uh, bribery was the only way you could survive in, in that kind of society. And yet, when there was communist takeover, the society changed. Uh, radically, well, they, they they moved in, um, took over all the businesses. All of a sudden, uh, they, they you know, from being wealthy, they had almost nothing. And it was also very hard for for a father to find work because um, he was Zionist. He was a Zionist, plus he was religious, and he was you know, and just being Jewish, uh, anti-Jewish discrimination remained. Uh, and, uh, uh, Judy, for example, couldn't get into medical school, even though, as I said, she, I mean, she's you know a brilliant woman. Uh, she she would have otherwise, and she she got another medical co- qualification, but on a low you know a lower quali- qualification. But the family very very nearly starved during those times. They would her mother would sell off whatever jewelry she had managed to hide away from the communists, and to sell it off bit by bit just to just keep basic food on the table. How did they escape? Now, how they, they got out in the end, now, uh, the majority of Jews were able to immigrate. They, they were not allowed for various reasons. Their father was considered too important because of his skills. But at, at any rate, they, uh, they were ransomed by the Israeli government in the end. Mm. They, uh, they, you, uh, they, they had to pay us $2,000 per person or something, and the money was raised for them. But not for her sister. Her married sister had to be left behind, and it was really heartbreaking. She describes the the train journey to the Austri- Austrian border, and how any minute they were they were afraid of being rearrested and uh, really not being heard from again. One thing she told her she, she did relate was when she was working as a as a nurse a nurse professional oh I've forgotten exactly what the term is sort of halfway between a nurse and a doctor, um, and sitting with her colleagues during the lunch break and you'd all have to sit in a circle and somebody would read Pravda, you know read read Pravda aloud. And you knew at least one person there was a spy. Mm. And so when you were listening, when you were reading, you had to keep your face absolutely stony. Because if you raised an eyebrow or hesitated or showed any kind of dissent or disagreement, you could be reported for disloyalty and that could be the end of you. Wow. Awful. So mm. what was her, how did she, she was um, moved to Austria and then... T- she ended up in Paris with her family for, a, for quite a while, and that's a large part of the book, just because they were absolutely. They had no. I mean, at one stage, she and her brother would would steal the baguettes uh, from, you know, they'd have a system of uh, relieving people of their they were, as they were getting on the on the on the bus because, I mean, they really, you know, 
On the other hand, she loved Paris, got to know it uh, uh, backwards and forwards, uh, and eventually they found work. Her father found work as a teacher. Uh, her brother became a painter. She became, you know, they, they found very menial jobs, but they managed to make, you know, make managed to survive for about a year, and then their visas through to, to, to the United States came through. They didn't go to Israel. It was decided to go to the U.S. because they needed to ransom their sister, and they were told to raise the money in Israel, you'll really struggle because it was very poor in those days. Still, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, uh, it's it's not easy to live in Israel. But in America, you'll you'll raise the money quickly, and uh, in, indeed, they uh, they all were very successful. The, the brothers became physicists and chemists and professors and so on. Her sister was brilliant, and did, did, you know, they, they they managed to do it in the end. But Ceausescu, uh, who was the Ceausescu, was the he wasn't actually in charge of Romania then. Remember, he was that real tyrant who uh, was eventually uh, executed, I think. Um, but he was also corrupt as anything, so uh, he, it was possible to bribe him, and, and special permission was given for the, her sister and her family to, to leave Romania. To what extent is the, her story representative of other Jews from that area? Um, I think it's unusual um, in many ways because they, they had great status in the in the Orthodox community. Was a very, uh, as, as I said, her father was a, a great Talmudic scholar, and he remained remained so, remained religious even in that very anti-religious atmosphere of a you know of a post-war Romania. And in the States, fortunately, he, he, his, his worth was recognized. He became, he got a, had a small congregation and, um, lived to see his children and grandchildren, also becoming from as well. Judy was, her story is very largely how much she hated being Jewish. She, she couldn't stand it. Uh, but gradually, but even so, she ensured that her children were given an Orthodox Jewish education. And now she lives in Jerusalem and I think she is religious now. They're all her grandchildren are from. Yeah, you know, you, you tell these stories of individuals and you realize how many stories are lost to us. Yeah. And, and we kind of have to treasure the stories of Judy more so. Absolutely. I, 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 and I mean, it's so well told. She's the most charismatic lady. It would, uh, and uh, funny enough, she, she, lo- she loves to tell her story because when she tells it, as she relates once, she relives it. So uh, the good and the bad. And... Uh, you know, other people get tired of telling their stories, but not not with her. So it's it's kind of a compulsion with her. And I can tell you, the book I don't know if it'll ever appear because they tinker and tinker and this and that, and nothing's right. But if it did, it would be in Israel certainly, with hundreds of thousands of ex-Romanians there alone, it would be a bestseller. And it's a very exciting and inspiring story. So we'll so, see. So David, thanks so much for coming in and sharing it with. Thank you, Sharif. And just before we end this interview, let me tell... This is just for you, David, actually. Are you ready to celebrate love in the most enchanting way possible? Then listen up, because we have a competition that will make your heart skip a beat. Chai FM, in partnership with Kitchenique, presents the Love on Tubav competition. Get ready to share your most romantic love story for a chance to win a 2,000 rand voucher to spend at Kitchenique, your one-stop destination for all things culinary. Send us your entries by the 30th of July via email to info at chaifm.com. Remember to include your name, contact details, and the subject li- line love on Tubav competition. For more details and updates, visit our website at www.chaifm.com. Good luck and may your love stories continue to inspire us all.